0: You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 35 West Chelton Avenue. For more information, visit us at
1: hope.church.
0: We're going to start by reading the text for today from Matthew 25. Could I ask someone, one of you, to read it for us? I know we have a mic that's ready for talkback, so give us just a second to get this. Anyone willing to be our reader? Just this slide and the next one. Lindsay will. Thanks, Lindsay. She's right up here in the front. Thanks, Jacob.
1: At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 young bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Now five of them were wise and the other five were foolish. The foolish ones took their lamps, but didn't bring oil for them. But the wise ones took their lamps and also brought containers of oil. When the groom was late in coming, they all became drowsy and went to sleep. But at midnight, there was a cry, Look, the groom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. But the foolish bridesmaids said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil, because our lamps have gone out. But the wise bridesmaids replied, No, because if we share with you, there won't be enough for our lamps and yours. We have a better idea. You go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the groom came. Those who were ready went with him into the wedding. Then the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep alert, because you don't know the day or the hour. Thanks, Lindsay.
0: Let's pray before we go on. God, make your presence known to us in this meeting. And through these words, through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a hard parable to read. Thank you, Lindsay, for jumping in without even knowing what you were getting into. It sits very uncomfortably with me and has all week. I've wrestled with uh, what I might say about it. It helps to remember that parables aren't told to uh, get the listeners to a moral of the story, or even to a particular point. Parables are more about truth that is hidden, unyielding, disruptive truth. Uh, one commentator I read, A.J. Uh, Levine, she is a Jewish uh, prof- professor of Jewish studies As she teaches about parables, she said that um, parables are supposed to make you ask questions, to notice your reaction to it, and to drive the conversation with those in your reading community. It's a starting point to Revelation, not the Revelation itself. So what I'm offering to you this this afternoon is um, just where I've moved with it this week and may not be very far from the starting line. I hope that you will keep, to, keep working with it um, and keep moving along a little farther. What initially jumped out to me has to do with being ready, being responsible for yourself, and that not everyone who knocks will get in. Is that what the kingdom of heaven is like? Even just in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus also says things like, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Jesus also says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. That's Matthew 23, 13. The previous one was Matthew 7, 7. And Matthew 7, 12. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Those are just a few examples of other things that Jesus has to say. So what is going on in this story about people... And the kingdom of heaven. It's located in the Gospel of Matthew, and when Jesus tells this parable, he is approaching his death. He goes outside the city of Jerusalem, he's on the Mount of Olives with the disciples, and they're looking at the city, and the disciples point to the temple, and Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple. And the disciples ask, What are the signs of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus said, Many will claim to be the Messiah. There will be lots of wars. He goes on to describe the end of the age. He said, But this is just the beginning. These are the signs, but the day and the hour, no one knows. And then he tells this parable, along with two others. And all three of them seem to be pointing in some way toward this idea of holding on, being ready, living faithfully. The kingdom of heaven will come in its fullness with Jesus' return when all things will be made right. Be ready for that. Live in light of that. I feel urgency when I read this parable. I went to two funerals yesterday. In feeling the weight of grief with those I love, I feel some urgency when I think about all things being made right. This week, a 15-year-old was gunned down outside of Fells High School just one more of the many students we have lost this year. Uh, we are one year into the, um, the, since Putin launched the military invasion in Ukraine, hundreds of thousands have died. In Iran, schoolgirls are uh, poisoned and hospitalized because of their peaceful protests for freedom. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I feel urgency when I read this parable. The bridegroom should have been there. Why the delay? What is he doing? It's getting dark. They are tired. It is midnight. It is well past the time for a wedding. Of course the bridesmaids fall asleep. All of them. The ones with more oil and the ones without. They're human. Their bodies need rest. uh, it's, It's worth noting that they're not called foolish because they fall asleep, interestingly enough. The foolish ones are called foolish for not bringing more oil. Because the wise ones also fell asleep, and they're not called foolish. So I guess the foolish ones assumed that they had everything that they need, They presumed things would happen on what seemed to them a reasonable time frame. They were anticipating the wedding feast, but it doesn't happen that way. The night comes and deepens, and time stretches on as they wait. Maybe their job isn't just to wait for the groom, but to be ready. And when he finally comes... And it's time they are not ready. They have no more oil. Their lamps have gone out. So they ask the others to share some oil. But if they split the oil, no one will have enough. Their lamps will all burn out very quickly. So the wise ones tell the foolish ones, go buy your own. So. I'm picking up that this parable isn't about how to take care of each other and live in community. Why not share the light uh, among all of you? Like that's, doesn't that does not seem like an obvious solution, if I were in this situation. Um, but that doesn't seem to be an option, either, the, either in the wise or the foolish ones' minds. The wise ones present a convincing argument and persuade them to go find a merchant at midnight, go find a merchant, and purchase some oil for themselves. Again, noting, they are not called the nice ones. Uh, Oh, I have a a picture here. So, if we're learning from the wise, it seems, if we're learning from the wise, it's, it's because they are prepared. They have extra oil. They do their own work. They're ready. They tend to their own light. There's something that feels very true about that. No one can do our work for us. We can't borrow someone else's faithfulness or someone else's process or assume that their light is can function as ours. I read their wisdom as, a, as a, a call to not give up, to not stop anticipating and living for when all things will be set right. And we each need to do our own work in that. On the other hand, Nadia Boltzweber um, pairs this parable. I love what she does. She pairs this parable with a verse in Revelation 22, which is all about John's vision of the end times. And it says, In the city of God, they will not need the light of a lamp, for the Lord God will give them light. She points out that The groom must have had his own light. They could see him coming, someone called out, see, he's coming, get ready, wake up. So what if the foolish bridesmaids aren't foolish for not having enough oil, but for listening to the wise ones who convinced them that they needed to have enough for themselves? She points out all the time and the energy and the money that they waste going to try to get their own oil because someone shamed them for thinking that they could never approach the Lord out of their lack. Rather than just trusting that the light the light of those around them and the light of the groom that is coming was enough. They assumed they had to provide their own. And then they were so consumed with shame for not being enough that they busied themselves trying to fix it. So much so that they missed the whole wedding banquet. They missed everything. She says, of course the bridegroom said, I don't know you, when they came knocking. Because they hadn't come to him in their need and lack and want Because Jesus knows us not by our independence from him. Jesus knows us by our need of him, for which we should never be ashamed. She writes, they, perhaps like us, not unlike us, mistakenly assume that all God is interested in is our strength and our preparedness and our goodness when what God really asks of us is to know our need for him. You can look at this parable from different ways. Maybe you are aware of your need and are trusting Jesus is enough. Maybe you need oil today, you feel burned out and exhausted. Maybe you're listening to voices that have you convinced that you're not enough and you're running around pouring time and energy and money working to be enough, to take care of yourself. I can identify with both the foolish and the wise in different ways at different times. There has been a lot of talk in the past two weeks uh, about this plan for our congregation to stop cells in Sunday meetings after Easter, and for some people it's a relief and it's energizing to finally take some action to interrupt old patterns and to create space for a different kind of practice and way of being together. It's almost like this is the important work of trimming our wicks. Another another translation uh, describes when they wake up and they get their lamps ready, that they trim their wicks. It might be like the important work of trimming our wicks so that we can keep our lamp burning with light to shine. For others of you, uh, this disruption feels unnerving and foreboding. Like, what's gonna happen in three months from now? I need community to live in the light, in light of the kingdom of heaven. We aren't cutting that off. We are organizing very intentional ways to stay connected, to rest and to play and to serve and to worship. But we each have to do our own work. This season that we are approaching does require a posture of readiness. We're not off. No one can tend our light for us. You can't assume that someone else's oil is going to be enough for you. We each need to engage in intentional ways doesn't mean that you have to be the one organizing a camping trip or hosting people at your house you might just barely be able to show up but that's enough you may need to rest and play and just be present Some of you might be motivated to start a a new uh, transition group is what we're calling them. We're not doing cells, but people are going to stay together and keep meeting to help one another process what's happening, what's coming up for you, what are you learning, what are you noticing. Maybe new transition groups will form. Um, We are going to help each other play and serve and worship together in new ways. There will be congregational meetings happening once a month that Ra and Rebecca will be leading us through. They have a plan drafted already and they're helping to draft a plan for what happens when we return together in July 9th. How will we work with our learning and our experiences? How will we center the voices of the marginalized and have accountability structures that reflect that? What questions are we asking? What's rising to the top? What's energizing us? Where is God leading us next? We're doing this together so that we can enter a period of discernment and creativity. There will be space to rest and recharge. There will be new experiences that give us perspective on ourselves, the communities around us. People to know and places uh, to be that help us to notice the light of the bridegroom coming. I was just at yesterday, in addition to the other, to the two funerals. I was also at the African Episcopal Church of St. Thomas yesterday for a three-hour workshop uh, for clergy and musicians on singing African-American spirituals with integrity. And after a morning of grief, I wasn't sure that packing in another thing was a good idea. But I went anyway, and in retrospect, I can't think of anywhere else I would have rather been. We, unbeknownst to me, we became the impromptu choir, and we sang for three hours. Surrounded by murals that Tell the story of a people, of a history of people from 1792 when Absalom Jones founded this first black church in Philadelphia until now. We heard the history. They have a local resident historian in their congregation who joined us to walk us through the murals that literally surrounded us. And the songs we sang spoke to the God of the oppressed, the perseverance against the brutality of slavery. They spoke the language of the struggle for justice that continues today. And in that, I saw the light of Christ coming. And hope for the kingdom of heaven feast. and the long wait of the light of the faithful saints who have kept their lamps burning. All of a sudden, this, made, this parable made so much more sense to me on a different level. It put even our struggle as a church in perspective and gave me hope uh, to stay ready to be ready. There is important work, discernment work, that we want to do together for the next step. What better way to be prepared than to admit our need for Jesus? Doing anything that requires God is an act of faith. Instead of God, and coming to God with uh, your plans and expectations for how things should go. One reading of this parable suggests that coming in your lack and your need is enough. If you can stay, trusting the light of Christ will be enough for us to show us the way to the feast. No one knows the day or the hour. Times are urgent people are hurting you may be hurting the people around you sure are let's prepare to enter this Easter season with the faith to do our own work even while resting and admit our need because in the city of God They will not need the light of a lamp, for the Lord God will give them light. Amen. Take a few moments of silence, and then there'll be space for you to talk back.
1: Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting
0: Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at Circle of Hope Net.